Blog Talk Radio. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Born to Talk Radio Show. I'm your host, Marsha Waiteka. Conversations plus connections equals community. Those are my three C's. The heart of my show is what's your story? It's my belief we all have stories. Some are similar, others are uniquely different. Storytelling brings the passions of my guests to life through our conversations. So be prepared to be entertained, informed, and inspired. Welcome to today's show. Well, thank you, everybody, for joining me today. I am so excited to be doing my podcast and having you be a part of this. My guests today are representing the Biona Creek Renaissance, Sandrine Cassidy and Deborah Gregory, And I also might just add, we are also fellow Toastmasters from Speakers by the Sea. Hi, Sandrine. Hi, Marsha. How are you? So I'm well. Thanks for joining me. Hi, Deb. Hello, Marsha. Nice to have (laughs) you. I was so happy to meet you at Toastmasters, and I was so happy to meet you at the at the um, the Marina Del Rey group as well. Exactly. Well, you know. What we can be certain of, there will be no timers, there will be no um or lip smack (laughs) counters, we are going to just have a conversation, and so, which is one of my favorite things to say, and so, if I say and so once in a while, no one's going to pay attention except that we know that as Toastmasters, but that isn't the focus of our show today. The real focus of our show today is the great work that you guys are doing at the Biona Creek Renaissance, and, you know, I think before we even go one step farther... We are very familiar with saying Biona. I've lived here my entire life. I know how to say that word. But we have people that live not only across the state, but across this country and out of this country. So I'm going to just spell that for all of you that don't know how to spell that. So the the um, organization is the Biona Creek, and that is spelled B-A-L-L-O-N-A. Creek, C-R-E-E-K dot org. So when you look at that word, maybe you wouldn't know how to say Biona, but you do now, so thank you. And I thought before we got started talking about what you both do, Sandrine, I thought we'd start with you. Could you just tell us a little bit about yourself so we can get to know you a little bit? Yes, thanks for the question, and thanks for having us. We're so thrilled to be here on your talk show So I was born in France and uh, raised in Los Angeles, and I lived in Paris for 11 years as an adult and worked in the film business. About 15 years ago, I moved back to L.A. and into a house across from Bayona Creek. Little did I know how much this creek would change my life, and it changed my direction professionally. I wanted to to have a job with a mission. And I'm now a sustainability professional working with different cities like Los Angeles, Culver City, Irvine. I've worked with over 500 businesses, helping them implement programs in waste reduction, recycling maximization, energy and water conservation, pollution prevention, and green purchasing. I'm on the board of several nonprofits, including BCR and the California Green Business Network. And I'm currently the sustainability coordinator for the Culver City Unified School District. And so in all these roles, the idea is to help improve our functional relationship with our environment 
And this has not only been a professional mission for me, but is now a personal passion of mine. Thank you. Oh, well, thank you. And I didn't know about all of that about you. So you've taken what was really important to you as a passion and have turned that into your professional mission. I think that's phenomenal i i'm i'm impressed about that and i'm i'm really happy to learn that about you because i did not know that and so deb tell tell us about yourself and your background i am the proud owner of dig bar interiors and architecture it's a boutique uh, design and architecture firm in culver city and in addition to designing residential and commercial projects All of our projects integrate sustainable solutions as well as uh, garden designs with an emphasis on native or adaptable plant use. And certainly, Marsha, as a visual person, I really enjoy creating projects and I enjoy imagining what the creek could look like. Wow. I love what you just said, Deb, because I too am a visual person. I, I am. And I think that, you know, when, when you have a vision that you can see, it really does help. And I, I, I really respect that, what you just said. I, I am curious, though, Sandrine, because you're both sort of in the same field. Uh, how did you and Deb meet? Yeah, good question. So I was a board member of Bionic Creek Renaissance for a number of years when we went public to recruit new board members. And Deborah fell from the stars, if I can say it that way. Rather, she (laughs) floated down the creek and into our BCR family, and she and I became fast friends. And now she's at the helm as president of BCR and has truly made our group expand its reach. And she's so positive and graceful and elegant, and I'm so proud of her accomplishments and excited uh, for her new role with our organization. Oh, that's great. Well, that's a that's a beautiful segue um, for me to say to you, Deb, because I I think a lot of us don't know what BCR, which is the uh, Biona Creek Renaissance. What is your you know what is it? What's your focus and what do you do? So, uh, and I don't know is well. You're going to tell us, and and I will just I will ask follow up questions as you tell us. So. Take it away and give us an idea about what it is you guys do. (laughs) With pleasure. I I definitely say that a little bit of the history about us is that we've been around for about 25 years now. And we were actually started by a group of artists and activists. And somehow this group seems to attract architects and designers as well. Um, Just something about the the outdoors and the, the beautifulness of the creek and the beauty of what it could be, I think, attracts people that are nature lovers as well. We're a 501c3, and when the people that started the group first saw the creek, they were just appalled that a lot of the residents in the area thought it was a waste stream. It, It actually looked even worse than it does now. And we're currently about 10 active board members, and we have about 15 advisory board members. That's a really good, solid group for a, a nonprofit. We clean, green, and educate the residents of the watershed area of the Biona Creek. That's our, that's our motto. And by cleaning, I mean that we offer private and public events. By greening, I mean that we have participated or led several native plant garden efforts or invasive plant removal. 
And then by educating, I mean that we go out and we give talks to the schools or we invite people to come to the creek and we'll lead a tour. And now in particular, because we've just seen the effectiveness of pushing policy, we really are shifting our focus toward policy change. And policy change, go ahead, we have piggyback on to that, Sandrine. Yeah, I just wanted to add, if um, perhaps one of your listeners does not know what Biona Creek is, um, it is a concrete channel that was built in the 30s by the Army Corps of Engineers after much flooding in the area. Um, it It was designed to help channel the water draining from the city. So there's about 130 square miles of the city of Los Angeles, um, ranging from the Santa Monica Mountains behind Brentwood and UCLA, all the way to the Harbor 110 Freeway down to Baldwin Hills. All the water that runs down the streets um, ends up in Bayona Creek and flushes all that water down to the ocean directly. And so with the water comes a lot of trash. Yes, it's true. Well, Go ahead. What, what do you want uh, to say, Deb? Yeah. In fact, on in weather like this, this is when we really start thinking about all the things we see in the street. You know, I walked into work this morning, and I saw a dental floss pick, and, and I saw I see lots of PPE, and it's it's really the pandemic and and the things that you find in the creek are societal. Uh, indicators of what's going on in our in our culture. When um, when marijuana became legalized, we started seeing more marijuana uh, containers in the creek. We see a lot of needles, hypodermic needles, and we see a lot of plastic tooth, you know, floss sticks. It's crazy how many end up in the creek, and all of those things. In fact, when the plastic bag ban went into effect, uh, probably five years ago or so, in the city of L.A we immediately stopped seeing as many plastic bags. It was a wonderful thing to see how policy can directly impact what we find in the creek. You know, that's really interesting. Let me let me ask you something real specific because we all see these things in the street now. But I think many people don't really know how to dispose properly of of things. And Monday happens to be a trash day. On, in my neighborhood, and we have our black bin for trash. We have our green bin for grass clippings and leaves and those kinds of things. And then we have our blue bin for recycling. If somebody was using exactly what I'm picturing, that little green, looks like a little harp, green toothpick um, floss thing, and somebody is through with it, where should they dispose of that within their own home how do how do because i know you're saying that maybe it's somebody's just thrown it out their car window but how do you how would where would you tell people to dispose of that specific pick i the first thing i would say is try to avoid buying those in the first place Because really, reduction of our overall plastic use is the number one solution to the problem after policy change. And if, but ultimately, to answer your question, like one time I had um, a broken finger or something, so I had to use those, or I couldn't, I couldn't use the regular dental floss, Mm -hmm. and those were very convenient for me. But there are solutions that are reusable, 
And if you have to use those for whatever reason, just they only go in the trash. They can't be recycled, unfortunately. So into the black bin, okay. And, into the black and bin. I, right, and, and I think that that will, and I'm sure we'll be talking more about that and about your goals and the reduction. And, you know, from, for many of us that live here, we are accustomed now to the re- reduction of plastic bags. And we are accustomed to taking our reusable bags wherever you might get them, whether you just order them on Amazon or you've ordered them wherever you've ordered them, however you can right. with them. And um, with the pandemic, obviously many things have changed. Like you, you can't, they won't put your groceries into your reusable bags. You need to put them in there and take them home. And I'm, I'm finding that we're all sort of in this word that we're all using right now which pivot we're all making those pivots to make to make changes and to make differences and we're very conscious of that in the Los Angeles area because we are by the ocean and we can see the results of this and it's it's interesting because Biona really has all kinds of standing water besides just the actual creek am i right am i am i wrong about this is there something also called the biona reservoir or am i completely wrong about that the biona watershed watershed yeah there's no reservoir reservoirs would be a great thing but there's none there are no reservoirs okay so i've 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 misunderstood that just from my friends in the Venice area is a wa- so let let's just let me ask you this I know we're kind of moving around here but I am so curious about being educated and sometimes words really truly matter when you don't know and if I don't know I'm going to presume that maybe somebody else doesn't know would you would either one of you like to just define what the word watershed means Go ahead, Deborah, if you want. Yeah. Well, the watershed is the area. So there are different watersheds along the California coast. Every every coastal line is a portion of a watershed. In Los Angeles, we have the Biona, Biona Creek watershed area. We have the Santa Monica watershed area, and we have the Los Angeles River watershed area. And those are the primary watersheds in the L.A. County area. Um, the, the Biona watershed is unique in and of itself, because it has a, a dense population, say compared to Santa Monica or Los Angeles, where there are more open land areas, and it really starts with a little trickle at the top of at the the base of um, of the base of some of our our hillsides in Los Angeles. Various hillsides actually have this natural spring that feed the creek, and if you look at the map of the, the watershed area of Iona Creek, there are several parks that are part of the path of the, the watershed, and those all are built in swales. And the, the purpose of the swale is to allow the water to trickle down and, and keep there and pre- preserve and in, in, enhance our, our water table. Hmm. The aquifer. Okay, you, below the, you, just threw, below you just threw another word out there that... I've never heard of before, which is the word swale. I'm assuming it's like tail with an S. What's a swale? A swale is a concave uh, divot, large, you know, opening and, and deep potential well area where the water can 
day and when it rains, the water, you want the water to stay there instead of going out to the ocean directly. What that does is, is it not only replenishes our water table and so that we have a healthier water table, but that's how nature intended it to do. Nature intended the water to go down into the water table. And by, by channelizing the Bayona Creek, we've actually broken that cycle. Interesting. Very interesting. All of this, I'm I'm looking at your website right now, which I think is a really fabulous website, by the way, and I can see that you have bubbles of what, what you improve, which is the water quality, the education, the recreation, the ecosystems, and the attractiveness and the amenities. So you have a really great website, and I see that you're having a big World Wetlands Day um, next month, which is, is really cool. Um, so let me ask you this. So I, I, I think I'd like to know this about from both of you, and that is, and I'll start with you, Sandrine, because I don't. When did when did you join BCR? How long have you been involved with them? So it's probably been about ten years. Um, as mentioned, I landed across from the creek, and when I moved back from France, I thought, what a pretty place! Such a flush mm-hmm. ecosystem trickling mm-hmm. fresh water and migratory birds until mm-hmm. I saw that first flush of rain uh, that hit that year. And it was just tons and tons of plastic bags and other trash debris that floated mm-hmm. straight to the ocean. It was absolutely appalling. And, you know, it was like a horror scene for me. And once I saw that, I, I couldn't unsee it. Mm-hmm. And so I just Googled BCR online and found them and, you know, got involved in this amazing group, and and then it affected the rest of my life as well with my work. So I wanted to get involved, and so I'm I'm part of a a family of creek caretakers. There there are a lot of us, you know, different groups and people, mm-hmm. and I'm just one of the lucky volunteers. Well, that's it. Sounds it sounds like a perfect fit. And Deb, I'm sorry. You, maybe you told me, and I I might have missed this along the way. Um, how long have you also been involved? I know uh, Sandrine said 10 years. What about you? I guess it's been about seven years. Okay. It's been about seven years and, now, yeah. Sure. And Right, because I remember she said you floated in. You were like um, a genie <laughs> out of a bottle. So, Deb, let me ask you why. I, I can imagine that. So, I, I maybe I, I get this about you, but I can see that 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 this is really important to you. I know that it's not uncommon. When I was working at the Y, in fact, one of your longtime um, uh, members, or I don't, I don't know what her position was, but Bobby Gold was. I, I remember Bobby so well when she was a YMCA member, and I remember there were always cleanups, always beach cleanups, whether the scouts were involved or, you know, whomever people would just go down to the beach. And when we're talking about the beach, we're not stopping from this pier to that pier, correct? We're talking about from where 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 would where would the beach cleanups start? How far north did you go with beach cleanups? Well, actually our focus um Heal the Bay is really the group that is focused on beach cleanups. Okay. Our group is focused on only on the we we have done beach cleanups, but our real mm-hmm. focus is creek cleanups. And the reason for that is obviously because 
it's all good. It all is going towards mm-hmm. the same end goal. But really, our diversion rates, meaning the amount and volume of trash that we collect in the creek alone, is so much, so huge because it really stops where we have the open bottom. The creek is not channelized underneath, starting at Sentinella Avenue. And so at Sentinella, where there's reeds growing and vegetation, that's really where most of the trash gathers. And that is our primary cleanup site, even though we have a permit to clean all along uh, the majority of the creek and, uh, and along the bike path, basically. But that's where we get our highest diversion rates. We're really effective in three hours. And how many cleanups do we do, Sandrina? You're like 10 maybe at most, yeah, typically. Yeah, it's a 10, yes. Yeah. Um, we will get uh, 1.3 tons or so on average wow. per year since we've been documenting. We are our our diversion rates are impressive by the, based on the volume of uh, our group, uh, the the amount of people in our group. Wow. So yeah, that's our and focus. What, so you know, I'm curious. So you've collected all of all of this um, stuff that we don't want getting into our water. Where once you've collected it and you've bagged it up, or however you go about actually collecting it, what do you do with it? Well, we'll, we're lucky because we have a partnership with the city of Los Angeles and more specifically Mike Bonin's office, CD11. Mm -hmm. And his team provides us with trash cans from the city, um, all three streams that you were mentioning earlier. And we have buckets and grabbers and reusable gloves. We we were using a lot of plastic ourselves during the cleanups, and that would drive me crazy that we were producing even more than we were picking up. And so we went zero waste, and now um, all of our volunteers uh, use those buckets, and then we sort. And if we can separate uh, recyclables from trash and some green waste we can collect, then we do so. And so hmm. it's, I think it's impressive up the stream more than on the beach because the trash on the beach comes out nice and clean and oftentimes in pieces, so a lot more pieces, but we get the trash in the whole, the whole item, the whole plastic bottle, the whole uh, polystyrene coffee cup, you know, and that's, mm-hmm. it's really, I think people really feel like they're making a difference when they come out to our cleanups and we've got our, you know, recurring volunteers and, and enthusiasts. Um, that bring kids, you know, as young as two years old to come clean. And we have, you know, the older generation. So it's a, it's an event for the family. And people feel like they're making the difference, and they are, you know, with all that tonnage we're diverting. So it's, it's, a nice, it's nice to participate in, uh, you know, beautifying this, uh, this creek in such a concrete way. Yeah. No, no pun intended. So you've no got this. <laughs> so you I'm, got it. I'm you got it. I did. Uh, I'm trying. We talked about visualizing, and so I'm, I'm trying to visualize. I'm trying to visualize. I'm going to meet you sometime, where I know where you start, because I know it's it's a long it's a long stretch, and um, and Sentinella itself is a, is a long street. But I guess what I'm trying to visualize, so I, you have a, a picture of a bunch of cigarette butts and things like that that I noticed. And 
And so you've collected these cigarette butts. They're going into these pots that you've talked about. Those pots are being emptied into cans. And so now those cans are being, you know, filled with with trash, for lack of a better term. And I, I think it's really great that you're working with Bonin's office. But what my question would be then, now what? Where does the the waste of what's in those trash cans, where does that go ultimately? Same place as all the other trash. Okay. Unless but, I we mean, get if, the recycles out of there because, the, uh-huh. you know, the recycles have to be clean, and by the time it gets to the creek, they're not usually clean. Right. So basically it goes to the same place that all the other trash goes that you okay. put in your own black bin or blue bin, and that's the reason that our, we're not – the only problem we're really solving is taking it out, of, keeping it from going into the ocean, and okay. keeping it from going into an aquatic animal's mouth. The the real solutions need to come from reduction and policy change. Mm-hmm. The, that's mm-hmm. the only way to really solve the problem. You know, it's funny. I, I I got another visual because I was thinking something as you were saying. I'm a nature person too. And when you were speaking, I was thinking about, you know, a seagull that has, you know, the plastic that maybe sodas have been attached to or beers have been attached to or whatever was attached to it. And people would just, you know, rip it off and just throw it in the trash, never cut it up, if if that's how they indeed buy their beverage. And there's there's so much education. And it, it's not just here in Culver City in Los Angeles or Santa Monica, you know, it's it's anywhere um along a beach where the the waterfowls are are out there and we don't want them getting, you know, their beaks and choking and dying and get, or being rescued and hopefully recovered because of the the plastic that they're they're swallowing, right? Right. right. I I yeah. wish I could say that that was the only thing we found that, I mean, we, we find the most obscure items on the Creek, you know, from uh, even mattresses or car seats and computers and, uh, you know, even a gun or there's, there's been some terrible stuff in that Creek. And I, you just wonder how did it get here? (laughs) Uh, Seriously. Yeah. Yeah. And um, unfortunately, wow. recently they even found a, a, a body there. So it's it's a place, you know, where everything <laughs> We did not find a body, luckily. <laughs> we did not, yes. Right. <laughs> so, um, but so I, send, I would like hush. to... Oh, sorry. Yes. No, go ahead. You would like what? Please. No, I'd, I'd love to say, though, that um, there is a project that the... County of Los Angeles is putting into place in the fall. It's called the Interceptor, and it's a floating barge that will be at the mouth of Bayona Creek, and it will capture, so it will float and capture trash before it hits the ocean. And so this, the Dutch company that developed this, the Ocean Cleanup Company, they determined that there are about a 1,000 most polluting rivers in the world that were the ones really affecting our oceans predominantly. And so they have designed this floating barge and we're going to be uh, a lucky, lucky region to have one, only the fourth in the whole world to have one in place starting in the fall. And so that will help mitigate some of the 
you know, the pollution, but like Deborah was saying, and you were mentioning is that we need to change our habits. We need to, I think we need to look at plastic in our world and really just focus on that and how we can reduce it individually. Mm-hmm. It's funny how we have habits and what we, what, what, well, you, you know, that, well, that's what I always did. And so it's like, well, I, I always, uh, when I gather something, put it in a plastic bag because how else am I supposed to take my avocados home? I don't want to just carry them home in my hands. And so, you know, it, it's it's interesting how we, as we talk about this, it's a it's a mind shift, and I can see where education is just so so important. When when we talk about BCR's role, what Sandrine, let me ask you this: What would you, how would you describe what BCR's role is in the region? Well, so we originated as an arts-based group, like Deborah mentioned, and we created two large murals along the creek at Overland and Duquesne. And you know, with the commitment of these first board members and Jim Lamb, our president emeritus, and our most recent president, Amy Rosenstein, we quickly became the go-to environmental group in Culver City focused on the creek upstream. So we have a sort of privileged role upstream, and we're lucky to have a great relationship with the city of Culver City in which the creek passes sort of in their backyard, Um, again, with Mike Bonin's office, we work with the Delray Neighborhood Council and the County of Los Angeles Flood Control who maintain the creek. And we have a great relationship with them. I just called them this morning because we had a, our first flush in a while and the creek, while we're not allowed to go out right now to do public cleanups because of COVID, um, they do send out their crews. And so we called them for help and they're going out today and, they're so responsive, and then they also waive our annual creek permit fees um, to support our mm. efforts. So there's a real um, connection. And then also you have the more prominent environmental groups like uh, Heal the Bay, Friends of Biona Wetlands, Biona Wetlands Land Trust, Surf Rider, LA Waterkeeper, Audubon. And we also you know, work together and have great relationships with them and try to work on policy together. And they we created a a strong coalition group that they're part of to push Culver City to ban polystyrene and which succeeded uh, with an ordinance in 2017. And we try to, you know, support their, their work as well. But um, we're also very proud to host one of Hilda Bay's locations for annual coastal cleanup day every year in Culver City, which is the biggest cleanup event in the world every September. So isn't that something? That's yeah. That's 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 really that's really remarkable. You you both have specific roles. You had mentioned that um, Sandrine, I believe you are um, the the vice. No, you are the vice president, Sandrine. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. And Deb, you are um, the a secretary. The, uh, the, the you are the secretary of the organization. Do you have? A term that you serve in your roles um, in the in in your organization? No, I'm I'm the president now as of oh I'm sorry this month. <laughs> That's oh, okay. well, congratulations! And uh, thank you. And no, we don't have term limits. 
Uh, although I think we probably should consider putting those into place because Jim Lamb was our president for probably 20 years, something like that, um, maybe 15. And Amy Rosenstein served as a president for seven years until just this, mm-hmm. this month, actually. Wow, that's really something. Yeah. <laughs> do, you, do you coordinate with other like-minded organizations in other parts of the city as part of um, the Bayonne Creek Renaissance? We absolutely do. We we think yeah. that we're so tiny, and uh, our power and strength comes from collaboration. Mm-hmm. And we welcome any group to collaborate with. And and we've we've hosted cleanups for some amazing organizations as well. UCLA has come out to our cleanups with two big buses, and they nice. hit the creek hard. And we've had, um, you know, depending on on the cycle of politics, we've had certain people that are running for certain offices come out to our cleanups and bring mm-hmm. sometimes up to 150 people to our little wow. creek events. Yeah. That's that's nice. But I think I did understand you to say unfortunately where we are right now in today's world, you aren't really able to have public cleanups right now because of COVID. Am I am I right? Correct. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 yeah. unfortunate. That that's too bad because I see so many advantages not 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 only the physicality of cleaning up number 1, which is obviously first and foremost, but there's also something community-based about that because that means that you're all there with the same interest and focus. Or maybe you're there and you didn't even realize what your organization does, and now you're having an aha moment, you know, and and unfortunately, you know, um, I I don't know. I I think that actually I think the governor was making a statement sometime today, and so I don't know if the stay-at-home orders might be beginning to be relaxed a little bit, but even if it is, people will be very, very reluctant to gather in groups masks no mask i mean well no mask isn't an option but you know it's 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 another pitfall of where we are today in in the pandemic and the kinds of things that people can do that is every bit as much social educational and the cleanup that that people gravitate gravitate towards and all of those all of those things um are are missing and that that's unfortunate and i'm looking i'm looking on your website because you had talked about this gate and i am picturing duquesne and sentinella in my head is that where that gate is that's that's that beautiful um metal sculptured fence but for lack of a better word is that that location you know which one there's a couple of beautiful gates along the creek yeah Right, there's, there's a there's few. There's some... one by Browdy bike bike path where the Brody bike path in the marina meets with the Bayona Creek bike path. And then there's another one that Lucy Blake Alahi, one of our longtime members, designed at Sepulveda and the Creek. And then at Sentinella and the Creek there is a beautiful, beautiful gate as well. So the Sentinella at the Creek, I'm thinking, but maybe I've just got this wrong. I really need to physically go and see this and I need to re- I, my grandparents lived in Culver City I can visualize 
turning left on Duquesne to go to my grandma's house who lived on Jackson and you said that at one point you could you could walk to the Y that was in Culver City but my grandma lived down the street from Jackson Market and oh, nice. uh, yeah and so I, I I because are there are there walking locations I know that there are places that people can ride their bikes but even as we speak today, are there places where somebody like myself that wants to get out and walk, you know, with a mask and social distance, is there a place where we can do that? Yes. <laughs> so Bayona Creek is an active bike path and recreational path. And so it's frequented, especially during COVID, people really, I think, the traffic that was on the 405 is now on Bayona Creek because people are <laughs> pedaling and walking and running, and there are more people out outdoors now than I've ever seen before. And mm-hmm. so there are areas. There's um, at Centinella there. There's a park now called Milton Drive Park that was designed by the state and so and um, supported by Baldwin Hills Conservancy. And that's a really nice place. You can go and sit down, and there are benches, and pretty. Nice. You can, you know, bird bird watch there. Native plants. Oh yeah. gosh, yeah. that's me. I will, I will. Okay, just just for for me. That I. So it's M I L T O N Milton Drive Park. Yeah, Milton Street. Okay. Yeah. Milton Street. I'm sorry, Milton oh, sorry. Street. Milton yep. Street Park. Okay, I will. I will look that up because uh, you know that appeals to me. And then there, there is a walking area that you can you can actually do it right there as well. Yeah, that yes. sounds that sounds really nice. Um, I, I know we're. I, you know, it's funny for people that that have never been a guest on my show. I, I put an outline together with my intention of you know providing you with the questions that you want me to ask you. And I normally try and, you know, kind of stay the course so that I'm not talking about how much I love birds and pelicans. And I've, I'm all over the place with you guys today because, I yes, I'm really excited to have you with me. And because we can have a conversation and we know how to speak, I, you're just going to have to excuse me that I've jumped all over the place, and, and I, I apologize. And we talked about some of the roles, Deb, that you have now as an incoming president. But, Sandrine, I don't really know what your responsibilities are. Has everybody's terms just come up now, and so do you have a different position, or do you have your same position within the organization? Yes, I'm maintaining my role, which you know is more of a glorified title, I think, than anything. <laughs> what's great What's great about Bayona Creek Renaissance is that we're all volunteers, and mm-hmm. so we, when you come in, you care about Bayona Creek and the environment, and so we there's a lot of leeway as to how people get involved in the group and what projects they work on, and we we leave it open so that um, you know everyone can put a hand in something that they care about. And so for me personally, I really developed the Creek Cleanup with um, our advisory board member, David Valdez. We, we set it up so that it was uh, more professional, more functional, and zero waste. Mm-hmm. Um, I also, for me, uh, it was policy. And so I brought that idea that with, to uh, BCR that, you know, after shove, literally shoveling out trash from the, the creek, um, 
I came to the board saying we need to work on policy. We need to get involved politically. And, you know, we are a very diplomatic group. And so for us, it was a stretch, but we've done it, um, you know, with the best intentions. And we've been lucky because Culver City that we went to with the polystyrene ban, they, they listened to us. And now there's a ban in place. And in fact, um, on February 8th, next month, they will be um, voting on the enhancement of the polystyrene ban, will, which will help uh, ban strawsters and utensils and cover all the other polystyrene items we didn't cover in the first ban. So we are hopeful that it will be adopted. And, you know, it does require change on behalf of uh, the businesses and, you know, the mm-hmm. public. But I think when you see the devastation out there and if anyone cares, and a lot of people do, I think there's room for, you know, this improvement. And I, I'm pretty sure that, you know, if, if we get more policy and more awareness in place, then uh, we'll get more support. Yes, I agree. And I suppose that the complications today um, – when they closed all the restaurants down, which, of course, if you're going inside a restaurant, at least if, as it comes to your utensils, you're not using plasticware to eat your spaghetti. Um, but if somebody is doing pickup or delivery, I suppose a way of getting around that is to say, please do not deliver plasticware. I, I will exactly. use my upon own request. utensils. Upon we request. Call it upon so, request only. Which should be for anything, for straws or condiments or utensils. That's the way it it is, actually. (laughs) And the same for water, in fact. When you go to a restaurant, normally when you're sitting down, they need to ask you in California uh, if you would like water. And if they serve you automatically, that's not the law. But, you know, I think convenience always takes over. But I think now we have to – I think this will help businesses save money to do it that way reduce you know all the trash because how many of us have a drawer full of plastic utensils we don't know what Mm -hmm. to do with them we don't want to throw them out but we don't really want to use them so I think right now yes speaking up I think we have the power to say things to businesses to city council members um you know if the more we speak up the more we we will be heard and uh, you know these are we're constituents we're supposed to be listened to so Hopefully, you know, that can help as well. You said something that I also, I just, I want to clarify because I guess I was totally unaware of this. Is it the policy that you prefer that people do not have water poured for them as a beverage while they're sitting down once we go back to indoor dining? Are you suggesting that unless you ask for water, you should not be poured water? Well, it's not me. It's the law in California. No, I don't mean you. Please, I didn't upon, mean that personally. It's upon uh, request. That is that is the term that is in place right now for serving water in in any establishment. I didn't even know that. So, yeah. First of all, it's been but, so long. I mean, I've been a lot in a of restaurant. businesses. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's true. A lot of businesses still pour you a glass, but I mean, some of them bring you a carafe now in the mm-hmm. sort of greener restaurants, and that's really nice because then you just pour what you need. Wow, so. that's so – that's that's really – that this is so 
I'm I I feel like this is such an education and I know that education is is really vital here and I can hear the the value and the importance of policy making and I want to make sure that when our show is over that I capture some of these these topics that you have said so that people can do their own investigation as well because I think that what you're saying is is really important. If if I was to ask either one of you, either one of you can answer this if you'd like, what would you say are the problems that you are facing right now in BCR? Well, Marsha, there was one thing I wanted to go back on just Please. for a second because oh, absolutely. Um, you talked about the fact that we couldn't do cleanups event, cleanup events, mm-hmm. which is totally true. And mm-hmm. honestly, I thought when the pandemic hit, I thought Bionic Creek Renaissance was going to, like, what are we going to do? You know, that's our public right. outreach moment when we have those events. But truly, we've been having some quiet events in the neighborhoods where it's just, you know, board members or we let people know about it. And they can bring their own buckets and their own gloves and their own grabbers if they choose to, and we'll arrange for a, a drop-off location for the trash they collect. Um, but still, you can individually go out. And one of the events that we had planned just before the lockdown was uh, going to be in April, uh, Earth Month, and mm-hmm. it was going to be held at uh, five of the different parks in Culver City so that people could realize they don't have to go to the creek to help clean the creek if they go clean their own streets and they can even download mm-hmm. the app called clean swell and if they download that app they can they can plug in their own diversion numbers and what they cleaned up and that will count toward Bionic Creek Renaissance's overall annual diversion rates so yes it's shifted to a less um, communal event unfortunately but mm-hmm. you can still be effective if you just go out in your own neighborhoods and you know of course wear gloves because trash is gross and it, and who knows in a pandemic especially I was not mm-hmm. very comfortable picking it up barehanded for sure and in fact one time I found in fact two times I found a hundred dollar bill as I was cleaning mm-hmm. so there are rewards in picking up trash <laughs> immediate rewards oh gosh <laughs> You've given me another word that I really had intended to ask you earlier on in our conversation because glossary of terms when you're in the organization is so obvious to you. But to those of us that are not, here's another word. I don't know what a diversion rate means. Divert. like to, what, what you're diverting from going out into the ocean is basically uh, how we use that term. And when we document at the end how many pounds or how much volume of trash we've collected, we call that our diversion rate. Okay, so it's so it's it's what you divert that's going out into the ocean, and that is measured. So mm-hmm. if those 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 everything from those black bins or whatever you're using that you're being provided to those buckets, I see that that's being measured. I I, I wasn't I wasn't clear about that. So thank you, yeah. Thank you very much for explaining that. Uh, <laughs> let's see. I, I mean, was, I, okay. So let's let's do this. I, I'm I know that this is I haven't made this easy on you guys either. It's like wait, she's all over the place. What the heck's going on here? But I it's do. Perfect. I thought that this would <laughs> right because isn't it a conversation? Um, so yeah, right. here's here really, and so well, let me just ask. There's the Ansos. You see, when a Toastmaster hears herself do that, she knows <laughs> it. I'm gonna take a breath, which is what we tell people. Instead of saying Anso, just take a breath. Breath. <laughs> what tips? 
could either one of you like to share that our listeners could use to lead a greener life? Let's let's get some tips. Sandrine, go ahead. Well, yeah. Um, well, some of the changes need to occur top to bottom and bottom to top. Education alone won't solve the problem because this is a huge problem. So we need to tackle it in different ways at different levels. So policy, policy change is a strong way to go. Um, if you're a business and depending on your location, there are programs out there to help you become green businesses. I work for several programs um, and we're part of the California Green Business Network where you benefit from free environmental consulting and certification. So, you know, these businesses, if you're wanting to, you know, make your business greener, just Google it online and you'll find tips there to adopt practices that will help you save money and reduce your carbon footprint um, for years. And, but if you're, you know, a resident or a listener, I guess you can go out and pick up trash. That's one thing we've focused mm-hmm. on today. But it's looking at what bothers you and making small changes. Like I, I personally was buying plastic bags for my trash can in, at home, and it was driving me crazy because here I am trying to push policy. And so now I've switched to um, paper bags that are made from 100% recycled content. But I think, you know, finding a system to remember to reuse, you know, to use your reusables. So whether it's reusable bags, like you mentioned, Marsha, or bringing your own utensils or water bottles, I think making it easy for you every day. So having a little system, so thinking about what you're doing. And you can also shop at the farmer's market to avoid all the plastic packaging you find in the regular supermarkets, or you can even order boxed vegetables that can be delivered to your house. They're eating fresher healthier, um, tastier vegetables Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, reducing how much plastic is used. And then um, I think, you know, by listening today and getting to this point, you know, in the podcast, if, if you're, you've made it through, maybe today you can choose one thing that you've been wanting to change and, and see how you can do that. You know, I think um, the, there are eight R's in our world that are important and the order is important is refuse, reduce, reuse, refill, repair, repurpose, regift, recycle. And recycling is really the last thing you should do with an item. And so if you cannot use it or reduce it or fix it or um, that, that's really, I think something um, important. And then you can vote with your dollars. Like we have a lot of purchasing power. So if you see that something if a, a plastic, like sometimes bread is packaged in a plastic bag, which is plastic in another plastic bag. And I'm, I decided that I won't buy from companies that do that. And mm-hmm. so, and then I'm buying, um, you know, healthier green cleaning products so that when I use them, I don't feel ill. You know, there's, there's things we can do in our everyday life. I think small mm-hmm. changes. And I think a lot of it is online. Now you can Google words and, you'll have lists of ideas as well. You know, there's, we can't fit everything in today. Mm-hmm. You know, let me ask you this. You just you just um, attached something to me that today's trash day. I can hear they're, they're driving by my house as I'm speaking to you. And, of course, I've, I have always used 
those bags that I go to Costco and buy that I put inside my trash can where my recy- I have two bins that slide out from my cabinet, one's for my trash, one's for my, my water bottle or, or a can or recyclables. So where would you buy the paper bags that you just described? Where do you get the – how do you purchase those bags? Do you purchase them? Yes. I mean, you can – right now in, you know, in our area in Los Angeles, when you go to the store, you can – usually they'll give you paper bags and you'll, you know, you'll buy them. That's one right. way. But I, I bought them online because I wanted to make sure they had, you know, 100% recycled content. And so I just went online. I don't remember which site, but I Googled okay. it and I found a All site. Right. and. I just, I feel so much better about, I, I can't tell you, because my trash day is Monday, too. We're not far from each other. I'm in Delray. <laughs> right, so okay, that's right. I, just having, you know, now my trash can is, is the can with the least amount of trash. My recycling remains, unfortunately, quite big, but I'm also now composting, because I heard you talk about green trimmings, but in the mm-hmm. Los Angeles green bin, you can also compost. You can put your vegetable and fruit peelings. Yep. And so I have a little can in my, in my kitchen, and it's, it's really mm-hmm. wonderful to divert that type of commodity because by sending it to the landfill, we're creating more methane and, and CO2 emissions when food waste goes to the landfill. So if we at least divert, there's the word, divert yes. um, the, the food waste, you know, the the fruit and vegetable peelings in our green waste bin, then we're helping. We're, and it's not much effort. I'm doing that. When you peel that orange or your, um, your, um, you know, you're, you're, you're peeling anything, potatoes, <laughs> anything, you know, I am now putting that in a bowl, just like you said. And I, I try to just sort of save it in the house for a while so that there's some leaves or something because I, 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 don't, I don't have turf in my backyard. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't have grass. And so, you know, there's tons of leaves right now because I don't want to put wet stuff in the bottom of my green bin and then it, you know, it starts to get moldy and everything. So I kind of have to have something that's sort of in the bottom first. And then, like you said, you know, Whatever it is, whether you're whatever peels that you that we're doing now, that is a that's a great way. I feel like if if somebody like you said just a while ago, if somebody's listening and they come up with one idea like, wow, I could I could do that. I can do that. I make a salad every night, and maybe we didn't end up finishing it, and so. Maybe maybe because some people say, well, everything goes down the garbage disposal. What's your thoughts about that? What are your thoughts about the garbage disposal? Oh, Deborah, do you want hardly to ever use it? One? Hardly ever oh, use I, it. Unfortunately, I mean, yeah, yeah. The what people goes down the garbage yeah. disposal ends up at the treatment, the water treatment facility, and it ends up in the ocean. And what we're seeing right now, and which is a huge problem, are those little stickers on fruits and vegetables, yep. which seem quite unnecessary, but they are ending up in the ocean because they don't get captured in the system. So They're clogging whatever the you put yeah, down exactly. your toilets or your, you know, your kitchen sink, it's best not to put anything, you know, uh, artificial, right? And even food waste, you don't really want to put it in there anyway because it'll block your system. So 
for so many reasons, but especially, you know, there was a whole Heal the Bay campaign on not throwing away all the sorts of items in toilets. And I just was so surprised that people were doing that. But, you know, it goes mm-hmm. from tampons to needles to don't anything in your toilet. Yeah. It goes, yeah. it ends, it could end up in the ocean. It, wow. it does. Yeah. That's yeah. It, it, we've got an we've got the Hyperium plant that's right here, right. Frankly, that's where our Toastas, Toastmasters meetings were held until we were put down. We weren't able to go any longer, but got uh, put down didn't sound like the right word at all. Um, but <laughs> you know that. Ugh. But it is interesting. I, I must say that I I don't use my garbage disposable. Like I used, like I used to, I am finding that I am scraping things into. I must say that plastic white bag from Costco. So let me ask you something, just in the, just in behavior, because some of that's wet. How do you prevent your trash can from not being? wet and icky because you've just scraped your leftover dressed salad into a paper bag. Oh, well, let me answer that one, please. Sure. <laughs> what I do with all that stuff goes in my, my compost bin that sits on my counter, but I notice that other people I've talked to, especially people that live in Culver City where they have a very active composting program, you can put it all in the green bin, they will put it in a reusable plastic bag in their freezers until it's garbage pickup day. Oh, my gosh. They keep a, a tightly sealed, tiny little bag in their freezers so that it doesn't get all gunky and gross until gar- garbage pickup day. Holy cow. Do you know how easy that is? Now, I granted, that is a piece of plastic. That Ziploc bag is plastic. But well, not Ziploc. I just used oh. something that say I got from a local grocery store or something that I already had. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. So, like for instance, when you go to um, um, buy something, you buy some onions or something at the at the market, and you're pulling out one of those tear it off here Trader Joe's or whatever, and you're putting your tom- you're putting your onions in there. What you're saying, you're using those those very soft bags, and you're putting trash in that. That's going into mm-hmm. the freezer. Then that goes mm-hmm. into the green bin. Am I am I understanding you correctly? Yes, that kind of green bag, which is a compostable bag, or any bags. You know, when I go to any grocery store, it's inevitable that you're going to get something that has plastic, mm-hmm. uh, be it a bread bag or whatever kind of bag that you end up with eventually. And that's mm-hmm. the bag I'll reuse often. Wow, that's that is so that's so terrific. I I am. I, I can see why why you're both doing this, and I can also appreciate there's a lot to doing this if you want to take this on. And I don't I don't think that the recommendation is okay. So you've listened to a sh- the show for one hour, and so now you're going to pivot and you're going to live your entire life entirely different. I don't think that's the goal because if it was, you probably won't be successful. But what you've done is you have you have brought the awareness up so that if somebody's listening that says, first of all, if they're nearby, obviously if you're living in um, North Dakota, you're not going to be joining in. But if somebody is nearby, they can go to your website and, and volunteer and be a part of your organization in some format or another. Is that right? Yeah. Like that's where they yes. can learn and more about what you do? Yes. 
I mean, the things that we do on a daily basis are important, but if you want to get even more involved, reach out to us. If anything we've said sounds interesting to you, we have places for you. We're looking for people with plant knowledge and a, a legal background as well. It would be very helpful for our group. Mm-hmm. But www.bionacreek.org or our social media platforms, of course, they can. And any kind of green tips they want, we're happy to help them. <laughs> that's That's great. And I would imagine that you... I'm trying to remember, did you guys speak at our Rotary Club? I did. Yes, another, I did, Deborah. I, I that's, that's Deborah, I think that, that that's probably the first the first place that I may have met you because yes. I think getting in front of organizations and speaking is vital. Podcasts like this are vital and um I'm just I'm just awestruck by your commitment and what you're doing to make a difference. Because everybody doesn't have to be a board member to do something. If you walk Correct. away, if if you listen to, to this show and you got one idea, even if it means, you know what, I tell people when I step away from this computer, I have got to go somewhere. And I tease by saying I take my camera for a walk. Well, guess what <laughs> else I'm going to start taking for a walk? I'm going to take a reusable bag. Because if I, Good. and gloves. And gloves, because yeah. let's face it, the gloves are important as well, um, because there are things that we can do right now. There's a guy that's in Westchester that cleans up Manchester uh, Boulevard constantly. I, I don't know if you're familiar with this guy named Todd, but there are things that we can do as a, as a group wherever we live. And not only can we as adults do this, but we can teach our grandchildren or if you know if you're my age or if you're you're teaching your children or if you're a school teacher you know and maybe you could be invited to speak at at some of these schools for um all kinds of things and i i actually have some other contacts that i i'd like to talk with you guys off the air about because i think connections is so so important when you do the kind yeah. of work that that both of you are doing i i just am so so grateful for the time that you've given me today to share the wonderful work that you're both doing. It's It's been a, an honor, truly. Marsha, we so Thank appreciate so the much. platform for sharing all of this with you, and we welcome any other opportunities for sure in the future. And if there's anything we can do for you at all, let, please let us know. I sure will. And and like I said, everyone that's listening, if and I mean, maybe you are taking notes, maybe you aren't taking notes, but I will take the highlights, what I like to call the takeaways from, from what we said today, and I'll make sure I include that in my blog so that you have a way of, of picking up these, what I would call um, pearls of wisdom, because certainly that's, that's what we've had today. And I am I'm grateful for your time. And I'm grateful for all of you that listen every week. It is just, it's so wonderful to have this opportunity. And because this is a podcast, I just want to share something with you as we say goodbye to one another. So this is the last um, Monday in January. And next next month I start, you know, February the 1st. And believe it or not, because of the of the technology that we have today my guest next week will be calling in from Ispia, Spain. Um, she is oh, actually wonderful. in Spain and she, oh my goodness so um 
that will be my guess next week. So the the as the, as Sharon Sunny Sunny and Sharon said, and the beat goes on because it does, <laughs> and that's that's the beauty. You have to be a certain age to appreciate that. But you guys are way too young. <laughs> but maybe you're just remembering no, from when you were a kid. Um, I remembered it when I was a kid. We watched but that anyway. all the time. <laughs> but I just want to thank you again once more for joining me, and I will let you get on with your afternoon. And everybody, be safe. Do whatever you can to stay safe, whatever that means to you. I'm not here to tell you what your safety means, but I can tell you personally, just from my own personally, personally, I am getting my vaccine on Saturday as long as they haven't run out of it by Saturday, and I'm very comforted to know I'll be doing that. Oh, and that's what nice. I have to tell you. So um, until Wonderful. next time, everybody. I know. Thank you so, so much. You're welcome. Bye for now, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.